Hello, welcome to episode three of Pixel Tunes Radio. I'm Ed. And I'm Mike. Today, we want to talk to you a little bit about our new iTunes. We have officially been accepted into iTunes, so you can subscribe to us by searching for Pixel Tunes Radio on iTunes. I was going to say diagnosed, actually. Diagnosed by know, Apple? Yeah, I don't know iTunes. why that word came to my attention, but it did. They are yeah. anything but doctors over there. That's very true. Me. We're on iTunes now, so you can search for Pixel Tunes Radio. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter, so if you go to either one, Try typing in Pixel Tunes Radio, and you'll be able to listen in. Absolutely. Also, check us out on Mike's YouTube channel. YouTube.com forward slash dongled. We really like to hear from you guys, so please subscribe, like our page, give us some comments, tell us how we're doing. Your appreciation for our work really drives us forward and helps us make more episodes. Today, we have a special guest with us. Todd, why don't you say hello? Hey guys, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you. Todd's got a lot of really good taste. All of the music we're playing today are going to be Todd's picks. So we're going to start off with Soul Blazer for the Super Nintendo. Todd, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? This is one of my favorite games I've been playing it really since it was released. It's one of those games that I play every couple of years just because I love the game itself and the soundtrack is great, so this is why I picked one of the tracks off of it. It's one of those top-down action-adventure games you go through and you defeat gauntlet-like monster layers to recreate towns and, and, and the overworld and it's a lot of fun. I hope everybody listening likes the track I picked. Is there a voiceover for somebody saying, I like food? Sadly, no. No? No. Oh, yeah. Nothing like that. No. Then it's not, it's not gauntlet. It's not that gauntlet-like. The monster oh. layers are gauntlet-like. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wizard needs food badly. Yes. The uh, the author of the track, Yukihide Takekawa, is actually more famous as a vocalist for a band in Japan called Go Diego. I've never heard of them myself, but... That I, sounds like something right out of Dora the Explorer. Go Diego Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not very often that you get video game music composed by people who are more popular for doing other things. You know, usually it's like you look their names up on the internet and you see each of the games they've composed and that's that's all the information you can get about them. But So Takekawa is actually an author too and he's composed some music, anime, and film. So multi-talented, jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. I really like this track. It's got a lot of cool slap bass, a nice percussion section. I think you guys will enjoy it. Thank you. 
That was Faxanadu. 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 It's Faxanadu. The American version is Faxanadu, but apparently the Japanese version, or the way that you should pronounce the Japanese version, is Faxanadu with a Z. And only communists pronounce it like that. <laughs> I don't care. I'm still calling it Faxanadu. Exactly. The reason behind it is because it's a spin-off of the Xanadu series on the PC-88 Japanese game system. So what they did was combine the, the words Famicom and Xanadu, and you end up with Fa-Xanadu. 
Faxanadu. So anybody who says Faxanadu just doesn't know what they're talking about. And anyone who calls it Faxanadu is a communist. But anyways, what's the next track? I'm happy to be a communist. Well, I want to talk a little bit about Faxanadu's composer, Jun Shikuma. You commie. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, Fazenadu was written by Jun Chikuma. She is most famous for composing almost all of the Bomberman games, from the NES all the way up to Saturn Bomberman. That includes, I think, over a dozen different Bomberman games. In 1992, she started studying Tunisian music, which is why once you get to that Super Bomberman 5 era and upwards, you start hearing a lot of Middle Eastern themes in the Bomberman levels, especially the desert ones. So she was actually studying that music at the time. That's why that's what influenced her to start making a more of a Middle Eastern kind of style song for those levels. What's really interesting though is, and this is something to point out, she, so she's done a lot of work for the Bomberman series. All those games have been developed by Hudson Soft. Falcom released Faxanadu. Correct. Right. But I believe that it was published by Hudson Soft. It was published by Hudson Soft in Japan, but it was actually made into a first-party title and published by Nintendo in America. Ah, that I did not know. Yep. Well, you learn something every day. You do. The more you know. So now we're going to move on to our next track. One of my favorite games of all time. Really glad that Todd picked this one. This would be level one from Bionic Commando for the NES. I do, I do enjoy this game as well, but I knew this would resonate well with Ed. He's told me many times how much he loves this game. Uh, it's a great track, great music to introduce the game the first time you play it. It's really iconic, so very upbeat. this one's always, yeah. Very, very upbeat. I like the fact that it's uh, both a action, kind of a side-scroller game with a little bit more of a sci-fi bent, but the music sounds very militaristic. It's got drum rolls and snare rolls and kind of a very marchy tune that kind of drives you forth with the whole thing. Junko Tamiya is the composer behind this track. He That's also his first, a, name, his first name is Junko. Well, I don't think it means that hey, in Japanese, Junko! but Hey, yeah. can you yeah. Junko, I got this junk. Oh. It, it also sounds like a really crappy like 90s toy. Like Junko. <laughs> Throw it on your wall. Collect them all. <laughs> yeah. He wrote the uh, music for 1943, the arcade version of Strider. He did music for Sweet Home and Little Nemo on the NES, which I guess Mike is a fan of. Yeah, I love Little Nemo's soundtrack. It's great. What's interesting is his name has changed in various different titles, apparently. Well, I mean, and this makes total sense. If his first name is Junko, who's going to want to call him that? So he's got all different names like Gonzo and Tami and... J. Tamiya, I mean, all of his names and throughout most of the games that he's composed has all been credited differently, which you actually know a little bit more about. Right, well, for Bionic Commando, he was credited as Gondamin. What they did back then, Japanese NES publishers were very competitive with each other, and they would steal back and forth their workers all the time. So when they made games, they would go under pseudonyms so that another competing publisher wouldn't seek those people out and try to get them to work on their games for them because I guess they didn't have contracts or anything back then. I I don't know why. It was all freelance and they were headhunters. Right. That's that's really what they were trying to avoid. And especially back during that time period where Mega Man 2, Bionic Commando came out, you wouldn't see a single real name aside from maybe the head director of the game or the project lead. You wouldn't see a real name in the entire credits. It would all be Yuki-chan's Papa or, you know... Fumio, in a, yeah, nothing in, that in would F, actually... In F King, in... which was in a Fune. Oh, yeah? Yeah, from Mega Man. Yeah, right, a, right. Kenji, uh, 
in a few nights. So that way they couldn't tell who was working on what. So it kind of makes things a little more difficult in current day to figure out who worked on which title for which company at which time. But uh, a lot of developers and composers have come forward and said, yes, I went under this pseudonym back then because, you know, my company told me to because I had to. So it makes it a little bit easier for current historians to go back and find out which person worked on which game. I appreciate that there's video game historians. Like, that's a thing. That, it's true. That happens now. It's I want to be a video game historian. I would have, like, the 8-bit tie, and I would have a monocle, and I would cut my hair really, really short. The monocle would also be 8-bit. Yeah. Oh, of course. You can't... Not Everything we need to be eight bit, eight bit shoes. Yeah, sounds like eight bit mug. Like the points just stick in your eyes. Yes. Yeah. Your ID tag would be just a pixelated version of you. Yeah. On it, and you would be the eight bit historian extraordinaire. Now that, that right there, eight bit historian. That's the name I need to make up. Let's do it. Yeah. I wonder what that salary would be. Zero. Eight bit dollars. Zero. Absolutely. Zero dollars. <laughs> Actually negative, because you got to go out and buy your own Yeah, true. Make your own 8-bit stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate. It's just a money pit. Labor of love. Yeah. So let's get on with the music. This is Bionic Commando, the level one theme.
Tonight, on a very special episode of VG1's Where Are They Now? The Mega Man Bosses. We loved them as kids, guiding Mega Man through their levels and pummeling them into oblivion. But where do bosses go once their games have become obsolete? We'll be visiting several bosses, including Cutman. Okay, just a little off the top then. There you go, you look fabulous! Woodman. If you experience Woodman for more than four hours, call a doctor immediately. Dustman. Look, lady, I told you. It's 20 bucks an hour for the house cleaning. It's not my problem if your bratty kids mess up their rooms before you can pay. Gyroman. Okay, birthday boy. Hop on for your special birthday ride. No, no, wait. I didn't say you could bring all your friends. Whoa, whoa, Lastly, Stone Man. Whoa, dude. You're totally harshing my vibes, man. Hey, you got any snacks on you? Uh, maybe like an energy tank or something? I got a real bad case of the munchies. <laughs> and stay tuned after our show for a very special visit into the rest home where we'll look in on Dr. Wily as he takes his final breaths. Tonight, only on VG1. Welcome back! That was another Capcom game, made around the same time, called Mega Man 2. That was the Crash Man stage. You've never heard of that game, have you? <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody's ever heard of Mega Man before. No, no, definitely not. However, you might not have heard of Takeshi Tataishi, who was the composer and sound effect guy for that game, so... One dude did all the music and all the sound effects that came out of that game. And yet, still inferior to Mega Man 3? No. No, I do believe Mega Man 2 was better than Mega Man 3. I have to agree here, Mega Man 2 is where it's at. I can, you are all nuts. I can play that game back and forth and listen to that whole soundtrack and know every single note. I might have to just start saying Fazanadu and take Ed's side here. See? No, absolutely See? Not. Now he's a communist too. You are all nuts. <laughs> oh, he also did the soundtrack for the arcade version of Willow. Yes. Today I learned there's an arcade version of Willow. Yes. Yeah. The arcade version being Capcom System 1 game sounded more like a Genesis soundtrack than an NES soundtrack. So if you ever want to hear what this guy sounds like when he does Genesis music, go listen to the Willow arcade soundtrack. Anyways. Mental note. Yeah. I think Crash Man's theme is probably my favorite theme on Mega Man 2. Really? It's just, it's really poppy. It really, yeah, I like it a lot. I gotta disagree. Well, what's your favorite? Woodman. Woodman's good. Woodman. Uh, good. Can we just Metal agree Man. they're all great? I mean, oh yeah, I could just pick. No, any no, one. every track is great. But if I had to pick favorites, Woodman, Metal Man, Doctor Wily Level One. I was just gonna say that. That's yeah. got that that kind of riff that almost sounds like uh, "Beat It" by Michael Jackson. You should just kill yourself if you don't like that song. Like that song is fantastic. Yeah, and the ending theme is fantastic too. Just oh, yeah. kind of visits a little bit of all the other yeah. stages and music that the uh, game goes through. So. I, I will say that end theme in Mega Man 2 is a lot less grating on the ear than 3. 3 with the Proto Man whistle, oh my god, that 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 is just grating to the ear. It's funny, I don't think that the, the Famicom sound chip was slightly different than the NES's, so I think those high-pitched tunes sounded a little more muted and a little more listenable in the Japanese versions than the NES. They didn't really take that into account when they were creating that music I have for the American listen. audiences. I, I know there's listen. yeah, there's slight differences in the Famicom sound chip versus the NES sound chips. We are moving on to Final Fantasy, yeah. which we haven't done yet. 
It's taken us three whole episodes to get to Final Fantasy. Come well, on, guys. Not, I can't even believe it. Come on, guys. Pick it up. You're not a big Final Fantasy fan for the music. You're, you, for whatever reason, I don't know. Have... Me? No. I, I'm not a big symphonic music fan, which a lot of people will scoff at me for. I've tried to like symphonic music. I scoff! I just can't get my head around it. So, you know, I prefer the more pop, metal, industrial, techno stuff. That's just me. But you guys can go talk about Nobuo Uematsu all you Nobuo want to. Nobuo Uematsu, yeah. I mean, well, I, I know him mainly from Final Fantasy VII, just because that soundtrack is fantastic. And he did actually do some work on Chrono Trigger, too, because when... Yasunori Mitsuda. ...got sick during the... Like, he was working himself to the bone on the Chrono Trigger soundtrack, and they weren't, weren't finished with the game. They were still working on the game, so they actually got Nobuo Uematsu to come in and do a couple tracks. That's why you, you can really tell the difference between the Nobuo Umatsu tracks versus the uh, Matsuda tracks. They're completely different. That's cool. Yeah. This will be Fabul's theme from Final Fantasy II for the Super Nintendo, which was Final Fantasy IV in Japan for the Super Famicom. Todd, why'd you pick this song? This song, it's just very majestic, almost boastful. You know, your your party arrives at this castle and you're trying to warn the king that he's going to be attacked. And the king is just like, no, that's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. We're Fabul. We're, we're here, man. And then, of course, spoiler alert, they're attacked. But it's it's great track. It's very, we're here and you're, you're not going to do anything to us. Can't believe you ruined that for me. You... I'm sorry. Well, maybe you should actually play some Final Fantasy games. Yeah, no. Something that isn't 7, I understand. No, no, okay, so here's the thing. So I've played numerous Final Fantasy games. I've only finished all the way through 7. So I've played 5, I've played 6, I've played 10, I've played 8. For about 5 minutes each. No! (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten through about halfway with 8 and 10. I've gotten, eh, not that far in 6. Five, same thing. I'm kind of like, eh. They're great games. I really like the games. I just haven't completed them for whatever reason. Seven was my first, I don't know, I guess my cherry was popped. My Final Fantasy cherry. It's a lot of people's were, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's why it's so loved. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, well, it was the first time that, which is strange because I played Chrono Trigger before I ever played Seven. Mm. So I fell in love with Chrono Trigger, and then when I learned about Seven, I was like, whatever, it's not on Nintendo, so, because I was such a fanboy for Nintendo back then, and I eventually did get a PlayStation a couple years later, and I got seven and just completely fell in love with the game. I did the same exact thing. I, yeah. I resisted getting a PlayStation for that exact reason, like, no Final Fantasy on N64, that's it, no Final Fantasy. Yeah. But then, you know, years go by, and everybody's like, seven is so great, mm-hmm. and eight is out now, and I'm going, well... I guess, I guess I have to get a PlayStation now. Uh, enjoy Fabul, and we're going to roll into a song from Final Fantasy X after that, which we'll talk about when we come back.
played Bionic Commando before, now experience a new sensational hit reality TV show, The Bionic Bachelor. So, Tanya, ask me a question. Um, so like, what was it like to like, kill Hitler? And later, Roxanne finds out a special secret about our hero. Oh my god, your name is Rad? That's like, so rad. Well, how about we skip the semantics and you find out what else is bionic about me. Wednesdays at 8, only on VG1. That was Final Fantasy X, Besaid Island. I really like this track. Uh, the most popular track on this uh, soundtrack seems to be Two Xanarchand, which is what everybody goes crazy about. But I really like this one. It's a real chill tune. It's got a really nice, interesting bass line, at least I think. It's, it's been a favorite of mine, so I really like it. Yeah, it's very, very chill. I like that little percussion kind of synth in the background underneath the drums. Would you Do you remember where in the game it's played? or? Well, the track is Besaid Island, so it's... Um... Maybe the island's named Besaid? Yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure if that's how you pronounce it. It could be... Besaid? Besaid? Or... Besaid? Besaid? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Junya Nakano composed Final Fantasy X's music. He was also very famous for composing the Threads of Fate soundtrack before that. He joined Konami in 1991 and did a couple of arcade games with them. He did Treasure Conflicts for the Super Nintendo. That was a BS Satellaview game, which wasn't released here, obviously, but uh, definitely got some praise for the soundtrack. For, uh, for that. So, and then he went on to work for some of the Final Fantasy titles. He even worked on Final Fantasy IV, the Nintendo DS remake. So he's had a couple couple decent soundtracks under his belt. We're going to be moving on to a track from Demon's Souls, which, uh, this is a pretty crazy track. I'm, I'm the only of the three of us that has actually played this game, and it's probably my favorite game of the PlayStation 3 era. It is punishingly difficult for those who know it, and those who have the game will will recognize this song immediately, and probably it haunts their nightmares as it does mine. It, I have only heard nightmarish things about this game. Yeah, agreed. I think you brought it to my house once, Todd, when you first got it, and uh, we kind of played through it a little bit, and I was like, okay, dude, you can take this home, because... <laughs> the day, it, it, it gives me nightmares, and I'm not it, even sleeping. It was, it was rough, man, wow. The, the day I bought it, I actually I was on my way to your house when I stopped by to pick it up. That's right. I was I was like, this game, I've heard so much about it, it looks so great. So you're like, let's give it a shot. Put it in, and we're going through the tutorial, and I'm going, this isn't so hard. But the end of the, well, the, end of the tutorial is, you die basically. Mm. The composer of the soundtrack's name is uh, Shunsuke Kida. There really isn't too much known about him. I guess he's most famous for doing this soundtrack. Um, I guess he's also known as Sunshine Lovers. He's one of his <laughs> aliases. <laughs> so I think the type of music he writes is not exactly the type of personality he has. We can go off of that. No, I um, can totally picture him going to the bar and be like, ladies, how's it going? This is Sunshine Lover. Sunshine Lovers. Like, oh, you're so hot. Me so honey. I don't know. He did do the soundtrack for the arcade shoot-em-up uh, Guwange, which is actually a really fantastic soundtrack. It kind of blends industrial beats with traditional oriental uh, Chinese and Japanese music. So I actually really enjoy that soundtrack. Here, so now we have a couple of soundtracks that Sunshuke Kida did. So uh, enjoy the song. Whoa, whoa. No? His name is Sunshine, Sunshine Lovers. Lovers. I guess Sun, Sunshuke, Shun, Shunsuke, 
Sunshine. Yeah. Okay, I guess in, yeah, in Japanese it would sound similar. So maybe that's where he got it from. And he also goes by Kitty, which his last name Kida. All right. So he's just digging himself a deep. Now <laughs> you know. I don't even know anymore. Let's get on with the music. Uh, so this is the titular track, Demon Souls, from the game Demon Souls. Welcome back. That was Blaster Master by Naoki Kodaka, an extremely famous composer from Sunsoft, 
who wrote a lot of extremely amazing games. And I'm using superlatives here because that's how good they are. Um, Todd, why don't you tell us a little bit about Blaster Master and why you picked it? This is this is another one of those games I go back to every once in a while. I've never actually beat it, but... You're not alone. No, no, yeah. and I realize I'm not. It's just one of those games that gets hard at some point. Mm. And I, I always sit down, I try to do it old school, I don't go to game facts, I don't look at cheats, I don't use cheats. Yeah. Um, and I, I try to just sit down and muscle through it, and, yeah. I, and, and usually I just get to a point where... Level three. Level three? <laughs> level three, level four. <laughs> I get to four, a point, level three. The frog boss kills me, something happens. Oh, the frog boss is easy. Um, the last time I played it, I said, I'm going to sit here all day if that's yeah. what's necessary. And mm-hmm. I did something I didn't know you could do, I ran out of continues. Oh, and I know you could do the that. game just ended, and I said, "Well, so much for that." Yeah, that's kind of a pain. I I have beat it, but I did use save states, but I only used them when I ran out of time. I have two little kids at home. I don't have an entire day to devote to a game as long as Blaster Master. Blaster Master doesn't have battery backup. It doesn't have passwords. You literally need to sit down and do it in one sitting, and it's a very long game. So one of the things that did impress me about the game is it's extremely well-programmed. You know, in a lot of NES games, you see a lot of flicker, slowdown. Like, this game doesn't have any of that. Everything flows. There's no bugs. The control is, is... really, really good. I mean, the vehicle controls are amazing. A little animation where you jump and then the the wheels kind of retract into the car to get you over the surfaces. Mm -hmm. It just makes every movement that you make a lot of fun, and I think that's why people have sat down for the hours it takes to to run through the game and finally beat it. I think you've seen a bit of a transition, too, with the music, going from Blaster Master to uh, something like Batman, which came out what, like a year later, mm-hmm. the Batman game has a very specific sound to it, and it doesn't sound like, to me, any of the other Sunsoft games that came out, especially later on, like Gremlins 2 and Journey to Silius and Batman Return of the Joker. All those games have a very bassy, full, rich sound, and so comparing it with Blaster Master and and Batman, I would say that those games were kind of like the start of Sunsoft, and, and specifically Naoki Kodaka for the overall sound of those games. Right. There was. It's it's known as the the Sunsoft base. What they did was that base. That base. Yeah. There's a you know a rudimentary sample channel in the NES sound chip, which most composers used to beef up their drum kits, mm-hmm. to have a, like a snare or a bass kick in there that would kind of enhance the sound. Sunsoft decided that they were going to go a different route and turn that into a bass sample. So they still have their two square wave channels, they still have their noise channels for the drums, but then they added in this kind of heavy bass that they could attenuate up and down with the sample channel, and it really gave them a trademark sound, and coupled with the amazing composers that they had, like Naoki Kodaka, Shinichi Seiya. You know, they would just write these incredible songs and use the sampled bass, and, I mean, their music just really had a character to it that you didn't find in any other games out there. So, Fester's Quest, which is the next uh, game music that we're going to listen to, this is the overworld, I guess you could say the overworld theme of the, of the beginning of the game when you start up the game after the ridiculous load screen of Uncle Fester turning, looking at the alien invasion and then looking back at the screen. I always thought that it was the funniest thing. And then the music going right into this like Samba de Adam's Family (laughs) 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 sort of uh, rendition. So this first track is is definitely a very 
thrashy, I would say, song. Very, very thrash metal. Yeah, yeah, it's got, yeah, kind of a punk thrash yeah. feel to yeah. it. I think... It's got a good groove to the bass. I think it's it's at least the first U.S. game that used the Sunsoft bass samples. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if it was the first Japanese game or not, but I know in terms of the Sunsoft game listing, Blaster Master was released in 88, Fester's Quest came out in 89, mm-hmm. uh, Platoon was also released in 88 from Sunsoft, but I don't think the music in that was particularly as notable as no, Blaster the- Master and Fester's Quest. Quest was. Definitely not as memorable. And I would say that Fester's Quest most likely came out after Batman because you could tell the sound transition that the games were going through. Fester's Quest leads right into Journey to Silius. Right. So any other game that came out after that really has a a very rich, full sound like we talked about. So Todd, what are your thoughts on Fester's Quest? I didn't even like the game that much to be honest. <laughs> I just really liked the soundtrack so I would pop it in and wander around for a while until I got my fill and you know, back to Blaster Master. Exactly. I, I rented Fester's Quest. I never actually owned the game. And as soon as I turned it on and I saw, like, that Fester's Quest or the uh, the Adams Family theme song come on and the screaming kind of flash during the, the, those orchestra dun, dun, hits, dun, yeah. uh, it really just blew me away. Like, I didn't know the NAS was capable of music like that. So the more I played, yeah, I would I would do the same thing you did. I would just kind of walk around the stage and be like, da-da-da-da-da, you know, <laughs> rocking along with those, yeah. that cool bass line in this song. Yeah. And uh, just trying to get to other levels, more so to hear the music that was in them rather than actually play a game that was kind of frustrated and just going. Play the time to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah get to get through. <laughs> Without further ado, this is Fester's Quest: The Overworld Music by Naoki Kodaka.
Actually, you guys might recognize that tune from one of the most frustrating levels of all time, the... What is it called? Turbo Tunnels? Turbo Tunnels. Turbo Tunnels from Battletoads for the NES. This song represents basically where I stopped playing Battletoads. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you play it and you play it and the frustration builds and eventually you start breaking controllers and, and that's that's about it. That's that's about as far as I've ever gotten in this game. I, I think I'm not alone there. I, yeah. I had this game as a kid. I got actually pretty good at the Turbo Tunnels to the point where I had it just about memorized and I could get past it pretty easily. But when my little brother and I would play and we would try to two-player the Turbo Tunnels... Forget it. You can, you can do the Turbo Tunnels by yourself, but getting two people to do them oh, at the it. same time... You can't play. It's you literally can't play impossible. Yeah. No. Can't play um, and especially the fact that you know you can hit each other while you're playing the the beat 'em up parts of the game. It's just, it's just an amazingly frustrating experience with two players. My brother and I would usually end up hitting each other instead of our toads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was. I mean, and I think they kind of fixed that in a lot of the sequels. But the game is so much fun up to that point. That first oh, level yeah. where you're going around and you're punch, punch, punch. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that last that uh, the boss at the end of the first level where you're seeing yourself from yeah, the boss's yeah. perspective and throwing rocks at the Great screen. Great scene on it's NES. Cool stuff. You know? And that even predated like Turtles in Time with the... The fling of the, yeah, the shredder. Throwing the, uh, foot clan. the foot clan. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so yeah. Things and stuff. Things stuff and stuff. Things. Stuff and things. So that will take us to the end of our musical selections for podcast number three. Hope you enjoyed the stuff that we played. Todd, do you have any more memorable words to share with our listeners? Battletoads pause thing. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously now, um, so we'd just like to um, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thanks for staying tuned and staying in shape. Staying awake. Staying awake. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely, yeah, Todd. It's a pleasure. We'll be glad to have you on again. Join us on Facebook and Twitter for updates and discussion on other songs. Absolutely. You can follow us on Twitter at Pixeltoons Radio. In the iTunes store, search for Pixeltoons Radio. We'll be under the podcast section. Please subscribe. Please rate our podcast. Hopefully, we're entertaining enough to justify a five-star rating. And once you subscribe on iTunes, every time we upload a new show, it'll automatically pop across onto your iPad or iPhone or iDevice or... I... I... Eyeball. Eyeball. But seriously, thank you very much for listening, and stay tuned for episode four. Ciao.